0: is Girls Stop Playing, a weekly show that empowers Black women to stop playing with their potential so they can live a life that they love. I'm Corielle, your favorite homegirl, and I'm on a mission to help Black women make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you're willing to Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Stop Playing podcast. It's your favorite homegirl, Coriel, here to encourage you to stop playing with your potential and start working for what you want in life and in love. You already know I'm bringing you the information and the conversations to help you make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you are willing to work. And y'all, this week we are broadcasting live from one of my favorite, favorite cities your girl is out here in LA okay I had the opportunity to travel to LA to support the book launch of one of my friends and y'all know that I had to get in some work while I was here and so Lo and behold, I landed on Good Good Media's studio, slid in their DMs, and I got the good moms that make a few bad choices in the building. So I want to say welcome to the podcast, but this is y'all shit. So (laughs) thank you for welcoming me to your space, and thank y'all for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you for trusting us with your podcast. Yes. Welcome to LA. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me with open arms. This space is beautiful if y'all are in LA and you want to record some professional content, this is definitely a space to check out and support. But for the people who may be unfamiliar with who the Good Moms are, can y'all give us a little bit of background on how you came together and how you created the amazing brand Good Moms Bad Choices?
1: Hi, I'm Mila. I am one half of Good Moms Bad Choices. Um, And how did we come to Good Moms Bad Choices? Well, um erica and i first we had sex (laughs) then we became moms not with each other (laughs) first we had sex not with each other then we got pregnant (laughs) um we were pregnant around the same time and um we didn't have very many mommy friends i think we were both um the first of our friends to have kids i was around like 26 erica's like 27 so we were pretty young even though you know you think you're grown um so we were in long-term relationships we got pregnant we said we're going to keep those babies we're going to be a family and um we had those babies and we figured out that pretty quickly like this shit is hard <laughs> mm-hmm. and isolating and um prior to that you know, the Insta- the Instagrams and the socials will show you, you know, the people in your neighborhood. And I think we had scrolled past each other quite a few times because we have a mutual friend. Um, and naturally, we're like, who the fuck is this bitch who is pregnant? And I'm pregnant. Um, and I think when I first saw Erica, actually, she was pregnant and she was getting proposed to at her uh, baby shower. And, you know. You make a a, th- a thousand assumptions online. So I saw this. I was like super jealous because she was doing it right. She was getting engaged. She got a big fat rock in my mind. She was getting engaged. She was getting engaged to like a filthy rich African, and uh, <laughs> and that's not was that was not my story. So like that's the story I made up in my mind, and I was pretty jealous. And then, um, and I, and I had also fell upon,
2: uh, fell upon Jamila on IG as well. Actually, the first time I saw her, it was, um, she was still pregnant at the time. And Mm -hmm. I saw her and I was like, oh my God, she's so like small and petite and just has a belly. And I was like, I'm like gained 70 pounds in my pregnancy. And and she was like, still kind of like being sexy in the mirror. And I was like, I don't, she was like a mirror to me. So I was definitely, I felt this, I felt jealous. Mm -hmm. I was like, who is she? And then fast forward, she had her baby. I was still pregnant at the time. And I see her at the pool. She was at a pool party in like this tiny little bathing suit, holding a glass of champagne with Luna on her hip. And again, I was like, oh, my God, like she's out with her kid at the pool party, like obviously judging her as well, because I had subscribed to this idea that I had to change mm-hmm. when I had when I became a mom and that like those days were done. Um but even though I judged her, I was still like, who is she? Like, where is she at? And I think, again, my friend, I, I had had my daughter. My friend shared a story with her again. I was like, listen, where is this mommy friend? Where is mm-hmm. this girl, the only friend in the group that has the baby? And so she's like, oh, we're actually going out tonight. You should come come see her and so or come meet her. And so I dropped my, my daughter off. She's about three months old to my mom um, and pumped in the car literally and went into this bar to meet my future business partner and best friend, um, totally something I would never normally do maybe now, but back then, like I was like, I got my friends. I don't need no new friends, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I was desperate. And so thankfully, you know, I found Jamila in the bathroom. She was super friendly. We planned a play date. Um, we got back to, we got together like a few days later and, um, you know, we kept it really surface at first cause you know, you're still getting to know somebody mm-hmm. and, uh, like, how are you doing? We're like, oh, it's I'm so good. I'm so happy. I'm gonna get married. I'm so happy. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like dying inside. And same with her. And so I think we hung out a few more times. Um, but you know, if you're a mom and you know it's really hard to maintain mom, just to maintain yourself, let mm-hmm, alone friendships. Mm-hmm. So we lost track of each other. And um, I would say around two years later, uh, I had me and my partner had, had broken up really unexpectedly in a very dramatic way get away. And uh it had gotten through the great of our friendship and Jamila had heard about it and her daughter's birthday was coming up so she was like, "Hey, I we haven't spoken in a while. You should come to my daughter's birthday." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Perfect." So I came because A, I had been at that point I had been single for a while now and I was really excited about where I was at. I would I had joined Tinder. I had started swiping and meeting new people and then somewhere along that journey, I started dating a married couple.
0: Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to circle the block on that one. Okay. <laughs> and, and, but I felt excited about it, but kind of ashamed because I didn't have anyone to share this with, especially I had no mommy friends in my group that I felt like could understand, especially my other friends that didn't have kids. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about, girl? You have it? what? You have three sons and going to take your kid in at the end of the night? Yes. Um, so I was like, oh my God, this is, if there's one mommy friend I can share this story with, It's Jamila, the girl by the pool with the champagne and the the little bikini. And so I went there to share, to tell her, A, me and my partner are broken up. B, I'm dating a married couple. And C, I've been listening to podcasts. Do you want to start one? And, you know, even when I asked her, I really try to, like, go back in my mind and think about why, like, what was I thinking? Because it was not, I was not trying to start a business. I was not trying to do shit. I just feel like I just wanted to have a project with a new friend and I wanted to sit down and talk I knew that in our 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 brief moments that we had spent together we'd had really good conversation Mm -hmm. and she was my only mommy friend and so I started listening to podcasts and there were none about single motherhood it was all very married very white and um there definitely wasn't any single black moms talking about single motherhood and dating Mm -hmm. so I was like well the space seems wide open we could just you know see what happens and I told her about my story and, you know, I think me oversharing this, this new dating situation that I was in made Mila feel like, oh shit. Okay. Well we can, so we can share freely here. Mm -hmm. Disarmed her. Yeah. And so, you know, thankfully she said yes to starting the podcast. And I think the next week we were like, what do we do? Let's have a photo shoot. (laughs) And so we took some pictures, which is still our well, I think we well, we've just recently updated our avatar, but it was our avatar.
1: No, it's still the same. It is? It's like Maybe on, on, on podcast. On podcast it is. Yeah.
2: It was our first f- our photo shoot. And then like a week later, we were like, we should probably record, record something. Episode, yeah. So we just pressed record and we're like it's a practice. We ended up talking for like 90 minutes and we're like, bitch, I'm not about to do this again. So we just put it out and our, you know, we didn't really think anybody was going to listen besides like maybe our friends. And obviously we were wrong. <laughs> and it's been this amazing journey that we've been able to take together. And um, I think because we didn't think anybody was listening, we were really bold and we didn't hold back. And that has really been, I think, the superpower of mm-hmm. our friendship, of our platform. is just the vulnerability, the honesty, the bad choices, the good choices, And that's kind of how we got to be good moms, bad choices. And
0: what year was that? 2018. So, several things. I love that y'all were secretly jealous of each other. (laughs) And yet y'all still... Because that's a very real thing. And the fact that y'all can even sit here and admit it. And it's easier to admit it with a friend, right? But jealousy envy. These are very real human emotions that all of us experience. And I think it's kind of silly to pretend like we don't. So for you all to admit it, I think that that definitely disarms other people. It makes other people feel comfortable with being who they truly are, not feeling. And I think that's what y'all got from each other, too. It's like, well, if you're willing to overshare, if you're not ashamed to tell me this, let me tell you some shit I've been doing. You know, let me tell you what I got going on. And I think your listeners appreciate that as well, because it is very much. Um, there's so much judgment with moms, right? We see this everywhere when, in terms of social media and just reality TV and just when you are a mom, you're supposed to live in this mom box, mm-hmm. operate like a mom, look like a mom, dress like a mom, talk like a mom no, it's impossible. It's literally impossible to do. And you mentioned like feeling like you had to change. Do you feel like you have changed since becoming a mom? Do you feel like you have been avoiding change because you don't want to become whatever you think a mom is? Like how has that transition, the reality of the transition been versus kind of the idea of what you thought it would be becoming a mom?
2: I mean, I think I've definitely changed. I I think that inevitably as as women, when we you know, bring life into this world. There's a level of, there's, it's literally a rite of passage. It's, there's this major shift in, um, in how you view yourself and your responsibilities and, um, your child's needs versus your needs. Um, but I think that I, prior to having my daughter, I was kind of in a space too, where I, Really didn't know what my purpose was. Um, I had kind of dabbled in a lot of different things all my life, acting, modeling, you know, working for my mom's beauty company. And I hadn't really like settled into like who I was. And then I was also now bringing life into the world. So I felt it was it was even easier for me to feel like I had to um, subscribe to whatever I see in social media or like what my family is telling me I need to do now and what I can't do now um because I already felt insecure about like you didn't who know is yourself yeah. yeah um so I think uh you know now that I I think once you really step into the role of being a mother there's a confidence that inevitably follows because you're like bitch I and life keeping a child, here. and and she is still alive. She is every year. I'm like, I told her, I told her the other day. I was like, I'm just really proud that you're alive now. And she was like, What? I was <laughs> like, you don't understand how hard it is to keep you, me alive, and you alive. Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy. Um. So yeah, and I would say like, you know, that the, the, just the inevitable confidence that you get as a parent just by doing it every single day and showing up for something every single day. But I think also. With my relationship with Jamila and what we do, um, showing up for this show, showing up every single week, we're talking through things, saying things that I've never even said out loud or considered sharing, and I think that that also helped mold me into you know the mother that I am today. Even you know subscribing to some of Jamila's views on motherhood that maybe I would have never even considered before. Uh, And knowing that I did want to do motherhood differently than my mom had done, not totally different because my mom was a great mom, but there were certain things that I was like, you know what? If I ever have a kid, I'm not doing that. And I remember saying that as a kid, but then you become a mom and you're like, okay, we got to hide the weed. Mm -hmm. They can't know. Don't say vagina. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like all these things that I'm like, girl. All these rules you've given yourself. All these rules that inevitably like – made me I feel made me feel separate from my parent. like she was sometimes I felt like, are you insulting my intelligence? because I swear to God, I saw what I saw. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you know being able to really have a more honest relationship with my daughter um, is in part to the being coming her mother a and then also meeting Jamila B. Tapping into our community as well of mothers that are like, hey, I have a 20-year-old and these are all the things I wish I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so just using the resource of our platform has really helped guide my motherhood as well.
1: Jamila, how do you describe your mothering style? Um, honest, <laughs> real. Um, you know, I think I was one of those people when I got pregnant, I was really adamant about being a mom not changing me, you know, like I wanted to my parents kind of always prioritize their 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 lives, and so I kinda in ways saw examples of that, and so I didn't really i didn't i i felt like I had to change, but inherently I didn't feel like I had to like be completely different, you know, I was like, my parents went out, and like, even as a, like, they were pretty young parents, they went to Tuskegee, I was like a freaknik as an infant and stuff, so like, it was always a part of their lives, they integrated me into their lives, and so I kind of wanted to do the same thing, Um, but inevitably, birth changes you, you become a woman, and I was, I was, I was empowered by it, Um, I was motivated. I was more clear about certain things like the fucked up situations I put myself in. I was like, bitch, it's not just you anymore. You know, like you could stay and sit in this, you know, funky place, but like you're responsible for someone else. And your energy is also like radiating to someone else. And so it made me a lot more self-aware. So it's changed me in like a good way, in the best way. (laughs) I love how you mentioned like your parents
0: integrated you into their lives. Me and my husband always have this conversation. Like y'all got to roll with us. Mm-hmm. We are very much so about to enjoy this vacation. If you think we are about to go suffer, we're not with y'all, y'all with us. But that thought is even, um, I still judge myself for having that thought because something in me still says, well, wait a minute, that's not right. You're supposed to conform to your children and you're supposed to, So I think society has kind of boxed us in because it's given us this set of rules that nobody really even said out loud, but it's like this assumption that you make that you have to be whoever you think you have to be. Once you become a mom, because now someone is watching you, you are responsible for someone. Um, do you all feel pressure? by the content, by your podcast, does that pressure you in your role as mothers? Like, are you having to have conversations sooner than you would have because of your platform? Are you having to consider different things? Like, you're considering maybe different perspectives that you had not explored before having this platform. Like, how has the podcast affected or impacted your parenting, good or bad?
1: I I think that it's kind of made me more uh, confident in ways in some of my parenting and you know, like, it's not like my content is, like, someone told my daughter at school and I got to, like, go talk about something. I Like, I parent from a very, like, real-life place anyway. Anything that comes up, like, we're going to talk about it. But, like, my daughter's not questioning my content, you know, and she, if anything, she's really proud of us. I think the only thing is, like, maybe if I'm, like, walking into the school and I have, like, good moms love flowers with, like, a weed plant. And, like, granted, we live in L.A., so it's not crazy. But sometimes I'm like, huh i could have not worn this shirt or i'm conscious <laughs> not to like i'm not going like to the parent teacher conference leading with my podcast so i'm a podcaster like i you know I'd, I'd rather it like be a natural you know like discovery um but if anything it's made me like the guests that we've had and um, the conversations that we've had like just evaluating our belief system every week and saying hey like do we believe in this shit or did someone tell me to believe in it mm-hmm. has made me um a learn a lot of things from women that get to I get to interview, and so I have a lot of different perspectives. I've met a lot of women, like Erica said, that have you know a deeper understanding of motherhood because they've been doing it for longer. So I have like a bigger buffet of knowledge to pull from, and so I think it's if anything, it's it's made me a better mom, and even like. The content, you know, I I realize like we have a book, we have hours of honest, adult honest conversation. And one day, absolutely. My kid's going to be like, yeah, so what is up with this or whatever? But um, again, I think our platform really encourages, encourages us and has encouraged us to show up authentically, not only for ourselves, but for our kids. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that I'm here like I'm not here to pretend in front of my kid I'm not here to be a different version of myself in fact I'm really proud of the woman that I am and the decisions that have led me here and like made me the person that I am so there's never a time that I'm like feel like I have to censor or be ashamed of you know whatever I've said on the podcast and it actually it's made me like feel more confident in being imperfect and growing because I realize like, there's going to be a lot of shit that I said five years ago or three years ago that I no longer agree with. And I'm going to be able to have the open conversation to be like, and I've grown, you know, and I, and I feel differently. And I get to be that example to Luna. Like, you're not stuck in this same version of yourself forever. You will change. Your mm-hmm. ideas should change. You know, they should evolve as you learn more knowledge or you have more experience. And so um, there's nothing I'm really, like, Oh, no. I was
0: reading a book, and, and one of the um, lines in the book literally said, like, your goal should be to disagree with the woman you were last year. Mm. Like, if you are still in agreement with 2022 version of yourself, you're not growing. You're not evolving. Like, things should be changing, and that's not anything that we should frown upon. That's literally the sign that you are evolving and maturing. Um, Speaking of evolving and maturing, the taboo behind moms and marijuana— m- mom's in weed right here out in LA it's different out in LA like I walked up in here I thought I was in a dispensary right it's like the block is high it's yeah. a different y'all don't have the stigma that a lot of the other um you know parts of the country have um do you think that that will ever change and is this just an outside looking in type of thing do I just think that y'all don't have a stigma because I live in Atlanta where we do is it really acceptable here like what does that really look like I mean, I think I think that there's
2: definitely places all over the country where it's can be even dangerous to smoke weed, you know, especially because of the stigma. Um, I think in California and in Los Angeles in general, I mean, like I grew up weed was illegal. It's not anymore. But growing up, it was illegal. And but there was always, you know, there's a there's this culture of like weed life, high life, you know, from movies, Mm -hmm. really, that kind of. I guess maybe took the, has taken the edge off of whatever it looks like here. Um, I started smoking weed. My first time I smoked weed, I was 12 um, and I started smoking weed consistently in high school. And, you know, I think that for me, my relationship with, The plant has evolved over time as well. Like the reasons I used it then versus why I use it now has evolved. And, you know, I think hopefully, you know, by me and Mila normalizing smoking and, and being mothers and being entrepreneurs that get a lot of shit done. Mm. um, There is a kind of softening of the stigma, Um, but I think it's definitely, there's a lot more work to be Mm -hmm. done, obviously, Um, you know, my I don't hide my consumption from my daughter, and I never really have, and that's one of the things that actually I took from Mila when I met her. Um, she was t- she shared this beautiful story, and she shared it on her podcast about this couple that she met in Atlanta, actually, um, and how they talked about the plant with their children and how they didn't hide it, and they actually like was like, look at look at this beautiful flower. You want to touch it, like, and made it because that's it is nature, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and so it. Has made, even my daughter, like when I smoke, she could give a fuck. She don't care.
0: She's in okay, bye. I'm in the other room. So do you say, I'm, I'm about to go smoke some weed. I'll be back. Yeah. Wow.
2: I'm about to go smoke. Or I'm about to go sm- I'm going to go outside. and smoke my, level. Smoke my flowers. I'll be right back. Or like, hey, go
0: out the other room. Go in the other room. And she knows what time it is.
2: I mean, think about you have a glass of wine in front of your
0: kid. Mm-hmm. And. You know, even my. But even, my, there's no, but even and and my thought about, as you're saying this, is the social construct of right and wrong is still going through my head while you're saying this. That's how messed up <laughs> the whole thing is. I will. I know, but it's like, and and, and that's,
2: it's really a mind. Sh- it's a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Um, Because yeah, you could pour a glass of wine in front of your kid and not think twice about it and not think twice about it. Drink it while you're watching a movie with him mm-hmm. or her, you know, and never have a conversation, not, ask for permission, not say, hey, mommy's going to pour some wine now,
0: not care if you're judged
2: or, you know, drink three glasses of wine at dinner and then drive your kid home, you know, and I'm not saying like you're being reckless, but I'm just saying like, it's essentially like it's actually more dangerous Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a flower. It really is a plant. Especially if you are getting it, you know, from wherever. I don't know where you get it, but it's a plant. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And
2: so I think my daughter really understands that it's a flower. She's asked me what I u- what I use it for. And, you know, I say it's mommy's medicine. I just want to have a headache. My stomach hurts. Um, or I feel, like, a little bit nervous or overwhelmed. Or if I just want to relax. And she knows you don't touch my shit. <laughs> <laughs> And she don't even want to touch my shit, you know? And granted, like, I don't know what the future holds for her in the future as as a teenager exploring, um, but I have a suspicion that she's not really going to care to, to even because try. Because it's been
0: so normalized, probably. Yeah. Because it hasn't been this secret, like, oh my god, let me sneak away. Then that gets the the curiosity sparked of, like, what is that thing you And, you're and that
2: is what happened to me as a child. My mm. mom smoked weed, and my, my stepfather smoked weed. And they would, like, always hide it and, like, be so weird about it. Or, like, I'd find something, and then they'd be like, I would get in trouble. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? That's what I was saying when they are insulting my intelligence. That then, when I finally figured out what it was, I was like, oh,
0: well, let me try this. I, this. I need some of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: No, I agree. I mean, growing up in L.A., obviously, we have a different um, relationship with the plant. But um, just in general, yeah, I, that was my biggest thing. Like, I felt so disrespected when my parents would like go off in the garage, and they would just have this smell, and there'd be this whole thing. And I'd be like, okay, well you're lying <laughs> or like, it's just like that thing where you're like, you're watching a movie and they put their hands in front of your face. Cause they're like, there's a sex scene and it's like, okay, well this is even more awkward, <laughs> you know? And so I, I, really always vowed not to be that parent in a lot of ways. And like, like you said, like the mindset shift, the mind shifts, my set <laughs> shift. shift literally it only took that it took that one time I was in Atlanta in the West End and they had some really hippie friends. they got in the car with their 1700 kids and they had this big ass bud and it's like, oh, when I saw that I was in college, like I wasn't even thinking about kids, but I was like oh, that's what I'll do. and I just like kept it in the back of my mind. And so when I had kids, I never you know and even like for me I, I smoked I smoked a little bit while I was pregnant, I smoked um, when I breastfed. And I didn't really feel guilty about it. And maybe it was because of the culture that I come from. But I didn't feel guilty about it because I knew that it was a flower. I knew it wasn't harming my baby. And, like, intuitively that was a choice that I had, like, that communication with the womb for me and for my child. Like, that was okay. But, you know, I I do notice. It's so crazy because I'm not really – I don't really care a lot about people's opinions. But I'm very hyper aware of I'm a black woman. And even in California, like, it's crazy that, like I said, I'll wear a certain, like our own merch going into the school, but because she goes to a predominantly white school, I am hyper aware of like, I'm not about to drop you off reeking of weed. And I'm, and I'll be a little more conscious. of wearing the marijuana flower saying good moms love flowers when I walk into the school. But mostly that's because I don't want her to be targeted or I don't want anybody else to make an assumption about me or her. Um, I guess like the more our podcast and our platform grows, like, that's like less, you know, there's going to be obviously like people are going to be able to find it easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and gratefully, I mean, gratefully, gratefully, I'm thankful to live in California where it's not this big thing. And it's not like I'm, I'm, I, it's not like a, a it's a pretty liberal space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for the most part, I do believe that like having conversations with kids does um, kind of take away that curiosity because we're like, you can't lie to me. And I already know. <laughs> and in the reality of things, like, if we really keep it real and talk about
0: even how, you know, Netflix and Hulu have these specials on, like, the opioid epidemic, epidemic, yeah. right? And we start comparing prescription drugs that are a 1,000% legal that nobody is truly regulating. And being abused. Being abused. I've literally... Um, know of a person who has done several drugs and said that the addiction to opioids was it was much harder to kick opioids than cocaine, which is not something that I would expect based on what we've been taught, what we've been led to believe. And so even when we think about, you know, um, the prescription pills, that is like the stigma, the stereotypical soccer mom that's doing, right. you know, that's popping pills to stay cool that is even acceptable, right? Nobody questions you when you're down at the pharmacy refilling your prescription. Nobody's, your question, nobody's questioning <laughs> you. You you know, like, nobody's questioning you. So I think it definitely um, is, is something that has to be considered, um, especially when we just think about what it really takes to be moms. Like, when I became a mom, my question was, like, how are y'all not doing drugs? Like, how? 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 And then <laughs> throw in multiple children. Throw in not having support or help or a partner. Like, how? How are you doing? it? I think now women are, like, starting to cry out for help. Like, we've seen several women just over the last few days making these social media videos of, like, this shit is hard. Like, this cannot be life. And I get that I signed up for this when I decided to have this child. Yet, living in America that's supposed to be just, like, the, the place the to be, right? And I have zero resources. I have zero access to what I need and so I think um the community that you all are building the resources that you're building you all just being advocates for women needing fucking help like I just need help and it's okay to admit that I need help it's okay to turn to a friend and help one another um and before the show we were talking about like communes like moms getting together and let's just figure this out like let's just create a community do y'all think that that's the future or do y'all think that's just like a figment of our imagination
1: I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. I just I've seen a few articles recently about like older women who are like retiring together and buying one big house. And I'm like a community bitch, so I'm here for it like let's take turns cleaning. Let's like I want to take a turn. I want just to have Mondays. I don't want to do it every day. <laughs> so if we could like garden together, you know, like have some like, you know, farm hands <laughs> and like have little separate houses on the prairie, I'm here for it. I don't think
2: anything is off the table. I mean, look, we're living in the world of robots, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that anything is is a wild thought. Part. And and if anything, I feel like that is actually going back to the OG version of what motherhood is supposed to be, this or, village, or or parenthood. Village, village. Parenthood is supposed to be, yeah, the the, the village. Um, I was thinking about that today because I was telling you I went to go look at a house and it was so expensive. And I was like, but it was trash. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I might as well. And I've we've we've I've played with this idea. I've even like talked about it and stuff and thought about it for me personally. If we're going to be on the commune like I need I'm a I'm a Scorpio. I need alone time. I need quiet. I don't want to see niggas for like. Few All days, sometimes, yeah, yeah. like I am cool being totally by myself for like a few days. So the commune would have to be very spread out. I'm gonna need my own studio apartment or something. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, especially I think, especially for single mothers, you know, this shit is hard. It is expensive. Motherhood is not. We were not supposed to do this alone. We were not supposed to do this alone. And I know that even the married moms. I know that sometimes you guys feel alone as well. Um, And it really does require community. It really does require a tribe. It really does require support if you want to be fully happy. You can do it without it, but you're not going to be happy.
0: You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're going to be stressed the hell out. You're not going to be able to enjoy it. You're going to look up. Your kid's going to be old as hell. You're going to be mad. Nobody wants that. No. Nobody wants that experience. No. So any any resources that we can share, I definitely think. Um, not even just single moms, because to your point, married women ain't just out here living lavishly. You know, like, it ain't. I think that is. One of the biggest misconceptions that just separates. It's just a point of separation. It's yeah. just a something for us to lean on and say, well, you got it better than me or I got it harder than you. Ain't no awards for any of that. Like, it's hard out here. Period. Well, I think yeah. that there's
2: like a divide, too, that's been created by women as well. Like, oh, I'm well, I'm married. Like, well, he I'm I, I got wifed. You know what I mean? Where then like the single moms are like, well, bitch, I got the, my weekends free. <laughs> that's a <the> thing. <laughs> that's a thing um, but but i think that i know that a lot of times even married women they feel very alone their partners are not showing up they might as well be single parents you know and so i think that's the misconception of marriage you just automatically think that you have this built-in support system and that is not the case unfortunately all the time
1: mm-hmm. i think we discovered that a lot through our friendship too just like meeting at a divine time where we were kind of in the same space like new new moms recently breaking up with long and long-term partners um we found like in our friendship and in our partnership we found like Oh, you could be my baby daddy. You know, like oh these are the things I wanted to do. You want to go on vacation together? You want to put the kids in ski classes together? You want to go to Colorado? We'll do it together. Fuck it. You know, like it was a, a like a source of empowerment and partnership, you know, like putting them in summer camp, flying them out to us in New York. Like it was like we felt empowered in our singledom because we came together to figure it out. And um I think sometimes people like women are so caught up on the romantic partnership that like you forget that like you can you can join forces with five homies or one homie and you know you really don't know like, how that will like you'll your kid will have an automatic built in sibling and part. you might build a business or three you know what I mean but like um we also have like the power in that way like if we come together and we do join resources and, and I got a DM recently because I moved and they're like I'm so proud of you you used to live with Erica <laughs> and now you got a place and I was like we didn't used to live together but I know how it can may have seemed that way but it's like yeah like this friendship made me feel better about my, like, not my, better about my singlehood, but, like, my choice to be single because I know a lot of moms listening or a lot of single moms or whatever, a lot of black moms or women of color avoid breakups and stay in terrible relationships because they're afraid to be alone, because they're afraid of what it looks like alone, because it is a lot to carry by yourself, and the thought of it is fucking daunting, but through... Leaving that those situations and saying, you know what, fuck it. Let me see what happens. And then discovering my friendship with her. I really gained the empowerment that I needed that like, oh, you can be happy and you can have partnership and you can have support and it doesn't have to look like this Disney movie.
0: I love that. And I am all for making choices that are truly going to make you happy, make you feel whole, not choices based on what other people think or choices based on, you know, other people's opinions of you. So I love that y'all are even examples of it. Just because it didn't go this way does not mean that it's not going the way that it's meant to go. Um, But I cannot let this end without circling back to this married couple that she was in a relationship with, because what we're talking about this village, right? We're talking about non-traditional circumstances. And in my mind, when I think about the conversation of Polly, the sister wife thing sounds good to help out with these damn kids, to clean the house. Like we can share responsibility. That sounds great. But in my mind, the sharing of the man is where it stops for me. Tell me about this experience, and if, is this something that you could seriously see yourself being a part of, like, long-term? Um,
2: no. Okay. <laughs> this was a season in my life uh, where, you know, I think it came to me at a really important time where my relationship had ended through deep distrust. I'll just say that. Okay. Deep distrust and betrayal Um, in what I thought was going to be a marriage because I would, like Mila said, she found me on the internet I got my little fat ass ring I was engaged, planning my wedding in Jamaica literally days away from sending out my bridesmaids invitations when all my world came crashing down so my belief system in marriage and union overall was like oh, this is trash men cannot be trusted I don't give a fuck if you're married like no one could be trusted so when I met this amazing couple, um, they really changed my mind about that because of their radical honesty. They were so open with one another. And that was all I really craved in my past, in my previous relationship, because I I was down to play like how they play in their relationship with my partner, but it just weren't there, (laughs) it wouldn't have gone the same. So when I saw this example of, wow, you're married, you have a kid, you guys are both successful, you guys are both beautiful, so honest, so loving to one another. And, you know, I felt honored to kind of be able to come in, come in and share in their energy and in their space. And they, I'd never done anything like this before. So they really helped guide me through, you know, the ground rules of their relationship. We stay on this group text. We don't ever veer off of here. And then like, they really courted me, you know? So I felt like I was, they were dating me. Um, and it just really was what I needed at that time. and um, but for me personally, no. Um, I me and my partner, we are open to playing together with other people. But I don't know if about like an actual relationship, which th- this this couple that um I had this, you know, this experience with, they were venturing into actually wanting like a girlfriend. And that's not something I would want to do with my in my relationship. I'm. I don't want to say I'm. I'm not necessarily jealous, but I am possessive and like wanting the sacredness to be here. You're not about to start telling no, bitch. I love you.
0: (laughs) This is where we draw the line.
2: Okay. (laughs) You're not gonna be start confiding and pillow talking like there's
0: none of that happening.
2: So yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if that's really right for my relationship, but I like women. I have a
0: question. I have another question. This is a personal question. How do threesomes work? I'm sorry, baby. I had to ask. My husband be like, "What's wrong with you?" I don't understand how threesomes work. What do you mean? How do they work? Isn't someone getting left out at some point? Like the logistics of it all. You take turns.
1: I mean, there's always so there's somebody's, somebody's left there, out. No, there's no
2: because someone you can all three of you can experience pleasure at one time.
1: There's like maybe like was, he's
0: like, yeah, it's possible. Wow, okay, maybe there's only
2: like one. Well, thing. you have to like a women to be able to experience. I okay. that's,
0: that's a prerequisite. No, but like Do even but even, even like have questions
2: oh, you I'm don't gonna, have to no, because like, she can be like you can be riding the man and she can get her pussy ate. But you guys don't even have, ever have to really talk or re- not talk that, don't sounds, have to interact. <laughs> that sounds really transactional <laughs> okay, okay you know, I'm so envisioning like, this okay. so like he, you're here she's here you know or you know it just you take turns if maybe it's, somebody it's, goes it's,
1: to get some water <laughs> okay maybe okay, someone just okay. pumping pumping up you know pumping up the other person like hyping them up like yeah. go you doing good like yeah. that
2: Seriously, I mean, you have to be. There's a there's a level of like a trust. There's a level of like just you enjoying seeing your partner experience pleasure.
0: That's probably where I'm getting. That, <laughs> needs, that needs not gonna I enjoy start. that. Yeah, that's probably where that I'm needs, getting hot. That hot needs up.
2: to exist. There's yeah. also maybe a level of attraction you should have for women if if that's what you choose to do in your threesome setup or whatever. But for me, like I genuinely, I'm a voyeur, and I genuinely enjoy seeing the person that I love experience pleasure and so I know that but like there's a there's a boundary around what that pleasure looks like right like there's still rules and is that's- there of course. Really? What are your rules?
0: Yeah. What are the rules? What would the rules be?
2: No, not, I don't want to say necessarily in the sex, but I mean after
1: the sex. Oh, oh gotcha. Oh, okay. Like okay, okay, okay. conduct. But yeah. there's not a rule like, uh uh-uh, uh, you what, cannot do that. Yeah. Like,
2: that's, I like, I know that some people like n- navigate their threesomes like that. And I just feel like that's very, it gets in the way of like just experiencing yeah. what needs to happen because how, don't kiss her. You
1: can't kiss her. Right? Yeah. I think that's like, that's petty. Then what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay. Well, we're well do-
2: unless like she's like, we're treating her like a little, like unless we're like doming her, Slutting <laughs> <laughs> her out, <laughs> yeah, like we're sledding her out. Then like she, and then she's obviously like consent. complicit in that and knows and has given us consent. Like I know that I'm your little hoe for the night. Then yeah, but I think ultimately if you're gonna do it, then you just gotta
0: just you just gotta do it. Gotta do it. Yeah, no. catch me in about ten years. I think once I cross not in ten over, years, until- girl, I think I'm gonna. De- in my mind, I'm going to develop a level of I don't give a fuckness when what, I turn, why like, you, 40. But why do you even— How old are you? When's your birthday? I am 37. I'll be 38 <laughs> not October 1st. Not so not I got to wait. Years. Yes, I got to give— In two years, I'm going to be a whole different version of it. Why are you, person.
2: like— why, why do you feel like you want to do this? It doesn't sound like you want to.
0: Well, I think I'm going to be married for a really long time. And I don't know. I just like, Want to be to... I, I'm curious. I'm very curious to hear from people who have experienced this because in my mind, the thought of me like looking up and my husband is getting hit is just like, and it ain't my hair. You know, it's just like that will make my head spin. I cannot Would wrap my you, mind What around about it.
2: like maybe he just goes and does his thing, you do your thing, and then y'all just don't really see each other do your thing? Cause there's those, there's that setup. That's not a threesome, though, is it? That's no, that's that's like
1: a that's a that's a hall pass, (laughs) right? 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 That's different. Mm. Um, Yeah, I know. I I feel you. Like it's a different. You could talk about that shit all day, but like the the visual, you're like.
0: Uh, um, she doing something I get right <laughs> hey, she done did pull the trick out her bag I would be like how am I supposed yeah, he to ain't never made that sound that pride.
1: right I've had that happen you know what and that's another thing you have to also know your role like you know I've been previously a lot of times a unicorn like I'm coming into the other people's shit so I'm like I don't care I'm not triggered at all but I've also been in that position with my boyfriend and I'm like it's not gonna work What do you do though? Because it's too late, right?
0: you don't want to be the weirdo and ruin it, it, right? (laughs) I would be the (laughs) weirdo and ruin it. It would be over.
1: I I mean, but that okay, but that's that was that's the learning lesson, you know. I think because even in my relationship, there's been times where we've been monogamous. There's been times where we've had other, you know, we lived across the country from each other, and we've had other sex partners, and we knew that, you know. And um, I think the biggest, I think I had to test myself because, like, even talking about us changing and evolving in the beginning of our podcast, we were single, we were like we're like, you know what, open relationships are the bomb, you know, never being in one in our lives. We're like, yeah, this makes sense because niggas be cheating. So, and then we were like, very like into the open and poly lifestyle. And then we got boyfriends and we're like, maybe not, you know, but I think the, the biggest lesson is, um, the exploration of it and like letting it happen and then be like, no, not for me, but also loving someone, allowing the freedom and being able to, I think a lot of it was like, As a woman, a lot of men say they can handle things and then they can't. And I think for me, I was testing it. And for my man to still love me and accept me, even knowing like maybe I was screwing somebody else where a lot of men could never, it was like, it made me feel really loved by him and really safe. Like there's, there's nothing I could do that's going to make you feel any less of me. You're not going to judge me after this, you know? But um, also I think there's a level of like, I love this person so much. And now that I know you had sex with someone else, am I going to leave you? Do I not love you anymore? Does this make me not want to be you not be in my life? And every time I was like, fuck, no, still like him. God damn it, you know? And then I had to move past it. And, like, granted, they're, like, you know, and then we've gotten into situations where we're together and bitches are there and it was my idea. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea. And having to get over that, too, and having to accept, like, bitch, you're not as open, as free as you thought you were. You're a territorial crazy bitch. And having to, like, accept that, too, and just, like, surrender to that. Like, you know, sometimes we want to be this, like, free person and then sometimes... The reality of it is. The the reality is it's, like, sometimes we're jealous and maybe three years, five years from now we'll revisit this and I'll feel... Different in my relationship and more secure or whatever the fuck or maybe we'll try in different ways, but like you know it's worth it was it's worth the experience and the lesson and um you know and then it's also like oh you're human and you will inevitably fuck up and it may not be because you're sleeping with somebody else it may be because you forgot this or did this or didn't do this, but ultimately, am I in this partnership because I fuck with you and I love you and we're gonna be together? For a long time. For a long time. Yes. It's like that long game is like, God, I'm going to have to forgive some shit. I can't run. That part. It all. So
0: this is Girl Stop Playing. Before I let y'all go, I would love for you to share a word of encouragement for a woman who's watching this that needs to stop playing with her potential. Like, get your shit together regardless of where you are, what you're going through, because y'all have been there, done that, and you're the product of following your purpose. So some advice for the ladies out there that need to stop playing.
1: Girl, stop playing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. That's advice.
1: <laughs> stop playing with yourself. Stop playing with your money. Stop playing with your time. Stop playing with your energy. You already know because women, we be knowing. our intuition is always on point because we have that womb and that eye and that knowing. So if you're in some shit you're not supposed to be in, if you're in a job you ain't supposed to be in, if you're in a relationship, you're wasting some time in, you already know, and I've got to tell you. So if you're listening, And you know that this message is for you. Stop playing and choose yourself and bet on yourself because you really never know what's on the other side when you do that. Um, The good Lord, the intuition, the good mother tells you everything you need to know. And it's whispering in your ear very loudly. So stop playing with yourself and choose you.
2: Just do it. (laughs) Take the first step doesn't have to be perfect as women we think that um in order for us to show up it has to look a certain way get messy the message is usually in the mess is in the message so or the way the message, message is in, in the mess, mess. Mm-hmm. and um you will hold yourself back waiting and waiting and waiting to chase your dreams also stop waiting for your friends to do shit just do it. If you want to take that trip, just go, girl. And matter of fact, you should just come on our retreat. We have the Good Vibe Retreat in Costa Rica next summer, 2024. So I really want to encourage you to come because if you're looking for a tribe member, if you're looking for friends, if you're looking to build that community, this is where you do it. Our, our community here is open for everyone. You don't have to be a mom. You can be auntie. You could be whatever. And I think a lot of times we hold ourselves back waiting to do things with people or our friends. And when we miss out on opportunities, we miss out on meeting our best friend. So I just would like to say, stop waiting.
0: Just do it. Stop waiting. Just do it. Y'all, hopefully this conversation has given you the permission that you need to stop playing with your potential. Stop waiting on it to be perfect. Take the first step, even when you don't know what's coming next. Make sure y'all like this video, comment below, head over to their Instagram website, get signed up for their retreat, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Bye. If you enjoyed that episode, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any upcoming content and take it a step further and go ahead and join our private community over on Patreon because it comes with some pretty bomb perks, including Early and discounted access to our upcoming events, behind the scene exclusives with some of your favorite guests, the opportunity to call in on an upcoming show, the chance to vote on topics and guests for brand new shows, and I'm even giving you unlimited access to my Vault of Business classes where I'm teaching you everything from Airbnb to developing digital products and everything in between. And you can get access to our Patreon for as little as $5 a month, okay? Get in where you fit in, and I'll see you on the inside. Peace.